Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. So years later, years, years later, after Jesus was put to death on the cross, the disciples, they continued to spread the good news to every nation. They went all across Asia Minor and through Asia spreading the gospel and telling anyone who had ears about the Messiah who came. Now, some nations, they embraced the news that the disciples were sharing and others rejected it and rejected them in the process. Now, John, the disciple John, was arrested and exiled to the island of Patmos because of this very news of the Messiah. And it was while he was on this island, while he was exiled, alone, separated from the world, it was when he was there that John received an unexpected visitor. The Holy Spirit comes to him, John, on the island and gives him a vision of heaven. And so in the blink of an eye, John is no longer on the island but has been granted access into heaven's gates. And what he sees, he sees 24 elders sitting on their thrones in heaven. And in the center of the elders is a person who is shining brighter than the sun itself. In the center of there, in front of this bright shining person, are four creatures that are called seraphim. And John is seeing all this on display. And the seraphim, day and night, never stop saying, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God who rules over all. Then the 24 elders before John's eyes fall down to their face and they worship the one who remains on the throne saying, you are worthy, our Lord God. And then John sees God holding In his right hand, a scroll with seven seals on it. It is understood that the contents of the scrolls that he is holding are the plans that God has for his creation. And then, as God was sitting in his throne holding this scroll, an angel spoke very loudly for all to hear and says, who is worthy to come and open this scroll? 
but no one in heaven or earth stepped forward. No one was worthy to open it. And so then the scripture says that John began to weep uncontrollably, crying, because he knew that without the scroll being open, that humanity and God could never be together. And then as he was weeping and, and crying, one of the elders came over to John and said, Do not cry. The Lion of Judah has won the battle. He is the root of David. He is able to break the seven seals and open the scroll. And then, as he was telling John this, the elder points over to the great lion who is ready to open the scroll. And filled with hope and, and eagerness to see this lion, John turns his head and is surprised by what he saw. For it wasn't a mighty lion, but it was a lamb who looked like it had been put to death, covered in blood, confused. He watched the lamb take the scroll and break all seven seals. And when he did, all of the elders and the seraphim all fell down to their face in front of the lamb and said, you are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to break its seals. You are worthy because you were put to death. With your blood, you brought people to God. They came from every tribe, people, and nation. No matter what language they speak, you have made them members of a royal family. You have made them priests to serve our God. They will rule on the earth. And then at that moment, John saw a huge crowd appear right there in heaven. A massive crowd. In fact, he said there were too many to count. I couldn't count them all. And they were all dressed in white robes, he says. And then right there before him, he says that they were of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. The people of God who had endured suffering, who had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And in their hands were palm branches waving around in the skies of heaven. And then they said down to John, salvation belongs to God. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. And then the elder came over to John and said that these, these are the ones who have called upon him. The Lord will be with them and he will keep them safe. Never again will they be hungry. Never again will they be thirsty. The lamb will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God 
will wipe away their tears from their eyes. Father, we pray now, as we just looked to what is to come, that we prepare our hearts for today so that we too can be holding a palm branch, waving salvation belongs to God. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. Amen. Man. That's going to happen one day. You know that, right? That wasn't a story. That's from Revelation. That's going to happen. There's going to be a day where you and I who call upon him will be waving palm branches and it won't even be Palm Sunday. But we'll be waving it because salvation belongs to the Lord. It belongs to the Lamb. And may, and I, in fact, I'm going to say this, I expect to see you there. I expect to see you there. Well, the time has come now in our holy kind of journey story up to the cross that we are now tracking and following Jesus' last time arrival into the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, if you recall last week when we were all gathered here and we were talking about that moment when, when Jesus took his disciples to the side, when they were walking to Jerusalem, and he took them to the side and he told them, that the Son of Man will die. It's time for the Son of Man to go. And we, and we talked about that and what that meant to the disciples. Now, we, we know from Scripture, we try our best to, 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 to kind of do a chronological look at, okay, what, when did he arrive? What was, but we know when we look at the chronological story of Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem is that they actually made a quick stop before they went into the gate. They stopped in a little city named Bethany. And when they arrived to this city of Bethany, Jesus was immediately greeted right there at the front of the city, at the gate, with some terrible news. And that is that his friend, his childhood friend, Lazarus, has died. And so this is where, when we read the scriptures, that we read perhaps one of the most often quoted and famous scriptures of all time. Jesus wept. He was crying because he lost his friend. He was crying because his heart was hurting, like our heart hurts when we lose someone. And so this is the context of that scripture. And so his to, to show God's power. And, what we, and that means just a quick little snap right here in the scripture that when he stops into this city, but, but God wanted him to do something there. To show God's power, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, right out of the grave. He had been dead for four days. And then Jesus raises him from the dead. So that, not that he could be honored, but in fact, Jesus even says, we do, I, this is happening, so that he can be glorified. And then it was so that those who are in the village can know without doubt that Jesus has the authority over death. Something 
that all of them will have a hard time remembering in just a few short days. But when the Sabbath comes to power, when it came and when it went, Jesus and his disciples finished their journey to Jerusalem. Now, when they were approaching the city, Jesus stopped. We know from Scripture that he stopped on top of the Mount of Olives. Now, he selected two disciples. We don't know which two. The Scripture doesn't say. But he selected two disciples and told them to go to the village ahead of you. And there you will find a donkey tied up. Her colt will be with her. Untie them both and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, just say that the Lord needs them. And the owner will give them to you. Now this took place just as it was said, but this took place so that the prophecies found in Zechariah may be fulfilled. That the Messiah will enter the city on the back of a donkey. Now, it is unclear, and I've looked at the scripture, but it is unclear if Jesus would have ridden the colt or the donkey down from the Mount of Olives into the city, over the Kidron Valley into the city. But what we do know for sure is that, that from scripture, he would have entered the gate that led directly to the Temple Mount. In fact, I want to show you a picture here. This is modern-day Jerusalem right now as we know it. So this is Jerusalem now. Now, the person taking this picture is standing on the Mount of Olives. So that's how close we're talking. So he's standing on the Mount of Olives taking a picture, and what we see is, you know, kind of see the, 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 the big brick wall there. That is the Temple Mount. So where the Dome of the Rock is today, the Golden Dome there, that's a Muslim mosque. And where, that, where, the, where the Dome of the Rock is now is where the temple would have been located. That's where the temple that we keep referring to, the temple, the temple, that's where it would have been, right there. And in fact, it's believed by all of, all of the Jewish culture, tradition, and history that that spot, the Temple Mount, is also Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the location where Abraham went to go sacrifice Isaac, but was instead offered a ram instead of his son. And so this, to the Jews, is the center of the universe. And here's where the temple would have been. Now, you can see that there's a little valley that goes down there, and it comes up to the gate. And so that valley right there is the Kidron Valley. We see it often in Scripture referred to, the Kidron Valley. It's not a very big valley. It's just a little dip right there, but that is the Kidron Valley. And it goes up into then the city gate. Now, the gate that he would have entered, we know, for without doubt, as they say, is actually in this picture. If you look to the, just to the right, center right, there's a little bitty gate right there, and that is called the Golden Gate. And this is where it is very widely accepted that that is the gate that Jesus would have arrived on Palm Sunday. Now, I'm going to show the next picture. This is the gate Jesus would have taken straight into the Temple Mount. This is the Golden Gate, just a little. So you're standing now in the Kidron Valley looking at the gate. Now you'll see that this gate right now is completely sealed. 
You can't walk in it. You can't go through it. Uh, Tur is not allowed in, really in that area, but it's completely sealed. That gate has been sealed since the year 1187 when the Muslims took control of the city, and it has been sealed ever since. It's never been opened since 1187. Now, knowing the Hebrew prophecies state that the Messiah, because it, has, it said that in, Zach, remember, in Zechariah, that the Messiah will enter this gate to reestablish Jerusalem. So knowing the Hebrew prophecies, they sealed this gate. This was done to prevent the Jewish Messiah from entering the holy city. And so the Muslims and the Orthodox Jews, of course, are still waiting for the Messiah to arrive. And we, of course, are waiting for his return. And we know that scripture says that's the gate he's going to return in. And now you'll notice that right in front of that little gate is a cemetery. This was also strategic, is that it's a Muslim cemetery. And knowing, the Muslims knowing the Orthodox Jewish uh, rules and regulations and for the priesthood, knowing that the Messiah would be from the priesthood, they put a cemetery there so that any priest who walks through there would be ceremonial, unclean, therefore not allowed in the Temple Mount. So they have sealed the gate, and they have made sure that any priest that walks through will be unclean. In other words, you can't come through. Now, they have put every obstacle that they can to prevent the Messiah from arriving. From arriving. And you can take the picture down. But I'm going to tell you that in Jesus' day, in his day, this gate was wide open, and there was no cemetery in front of it. In fact, when Jesus approached this gate in the area where the cemetery is today, a large crowd was there to meet him with a very unusual display. The crowd took off their jackets, their cloaks. They took them all off as he was now on the back of this donkey riding to them at that gate. They took it off and placed them on the ground, placed them even on the animals themselves. And then this crowd took palm branches and started to hold them up and wave them, and they started to shout these words, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And in fact, the crowds, according to scripture, the crowds were shouting so loud that there was such a commotion going on outside of the gate that people inside of the city were starting to notice the commotion. What is going on? And then the scripture says that inside of the city, they started to ask, who is, who is walking into our, our city? Who is this? Who is this? And then word started to spread among all of them. It started to travel that this was Jesus of Nazareth. And then he enters into the city for the last time. Now, as with many of the stories in the gospel, 
there are multiple accounts of the arrival of Jesus into the city. In fact, all four Gospels in this case has an account. All four of them make sure to mention the arrival of Jesus into Jerusalem. This should not be a surprise as this is a huge moment that the prophecy is coming before their eyes. And as they go into here, they're all recording what they see and what they know. Now, I find it interesting that Mark and Luke, particularly these two, Mark and Luke, made note that the colt, or the young donkey as that's called, the colt was so young that it had never been ridden. That it actually, actually, both of them say that this donkey had never been ridden. Now, in other words, it isn't broken yet. It isn't broken. It's not probably really safe to ride. Anyone, for those of us, anyone who, who may be around animals know that if, if, if there's an unbroken horse or donkey or any animal for that matter, usually the attitude of that animal is defensive, stubborn, dangerous, right? Because they're wild. And it takes a special person to jump on the back of, a, of, of any animal that isn't tamed or isn't broken and try to get them to convince them that it's okay. It's all right. You see, the animal must be brought to an understanding that the person riding them isn't trying to hurt them. He's not trying to steer them into danger. But this process takes time. And as the animal, every time, wants to rebel, to throw off, or even sometimes just to sit still, not doing anything, just to shut down. It isn't until, it isn't until the animal fully surrenders before the owner will declare that it is ready to be ridden. And according to scripture, the ones that I read here, it says that the cult given to Jesus had never been ridden. Yet the unbroken animal was at peace under the hands of Jesus. It was like the donkey knew the touch of his creator, knew that he was going to be okay, not harmed, that he was going to be safe. And let me ask you, do you feel safe in the hands of Jesus? Do you feel safe in the hands of Jesus? This animal, this donkey, this colt, just from the very short interaction that he had with our Savior on his back, knew by his touch who he was. I know who this person is. Many of us, many of us are like the untamed, unbroken animal that is filled with fear, resistance, hurt, stubbornness, anger, depression, addiction, and loneliness. And maybe, maybe you 
have gone even to other people. Maybe you've gone to them for help, and they too have let you down. Or perhaps even someone else that you went to for help or just to find a, just, just some, a community something. Maybe even they caused you more pain. And this, this has only hardened your heart even more. It's made you just, even maybe, maybe you just shut down. Maybe you just, you just, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put my faith in anything or anyone else. I'm just on my own. That's just how it is in this world. I'm going to tell you that like the gate that we see in Jerusalem, the gate that we can see today that is sealed in Jerusalem, are you doing everything you can to prevent him from arriving into your hearts? Are you putting up these walls and these blocks like what we see there? Maybe you have convinced yourself that you aren't worth it, that you are dirty, that you are not ready, maybe that you're not safe. And I'd be willing to say that all of us, even from time to time, may look to him and say, you are not capable of me. I'm too much. I assure you, I assure that no matter what obstacle is placed in front of you. Whatever is there trying to prevent him from arriving, it is easier to open the gates of Jerusalem than it is the hearts of men. But when we do, when we do open our hearts, the same thing will happen to us that will happen in Jerusalem we will receive a new heart. It will happen. Like the disciples that he sent before, that we read in the scriptures, the master right now is sending for you. He is calling those who are weary to find rest, who are angry to find peace, who are lonely to find community. The Lord will keep you safe. You will no longer hunger for the things that bring you harm. You will no longer thirst for the things that won't last. The Lamb is your shepherd, and you shall not want. He will lead you to the springs of living water. And yes, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes this morning. How is your heart? What condition is it in? Is it broken? Is it lonely? I want you to come and spend some time with him. And I want your heart to be anew, made anew. And so that we who call upon him will be one day in that great crowd. Salvation belongs 
to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. What is the condition of your heart today? Come and be with him on this Palm Sunday. Amen. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.